Welcome to the Tall and Urban Podcast by the Council on Tall Buildings and Urban Habitat. This is Daniel Safarik. This is Season 1, Timber Rising, sponsored by the USDA Forest Service. We're talking with leading experts about mass timber, a way of building with engineered wood products that is gaining traction around the world. Today we're talking to Katie Fernholz, CEO of Dovetail Partners, an environmental consultancy in Minneapolis. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So the question that we're hoping to pursue with you today is what's sustainable about cutting down trees? Um, I think it's a counterintuitive notion for a lot of people that, you know, sustainable forestry is, is really one of the keys to the success of not only the mass timber construction industry, but it actually is pretty helpful to managed forests as well. Um, so maybe we can start with what your definition of sustainable forestry might be and uh, go from there. Thank you, Dan. Um, yeah, it, and cutting down trees can be counterintuitive. And when I think of defining sustainable forestry, the definition of sustainable forestry for me is caring for the forest in a way that future generations will not have diminished choices or diminished opportunities. So, you know, it, 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 sustainability is about keeping things at least as good as they are, but maybe, you know, restoring and making them better if, if we can as well. But, you know, I, I, it, I, I'm always hesitant with sustainability just because it is a broad concept, but it comes down to uh, caring for the resource in a way that future generations can be as fortunate as we have been. Great. Um, and so obviously there are all kinds of different kinds of trees and there are many different kinds of forests. What kinds of trees are normally cut down for commercial timber production, such as we would find in our, our typical single family homes versus what we would be selecting for mass timber and, and where does the, the waste that comes from typical uh, timber harvesting fall into that picture? A lot of our commercial timber production relies on softwood species, and that's kind of a general term, but softwood species, as the term implies, they're, they're, they tend to be less dense woods, and they're the pine, conifer, and fir species. So a lot of Douglas fir out west, a lot of pine from the southeast, these are softwood species that are really the bread and butter of our commercial timber industry. However, in the United States, in North America, we are fortunate to have native biodiversity in our forest resources. So we use all kinds of additional species. And there's this whole other category of hardwood species that are commercially valuable as well, whether it's oak, maple, birch, hickory. One of the things when we think about our use of timber in our lives and in our homes is we often frame up and build our structures with softwoods and we fill the inside with hardwoods. So in the walls, you may have your softwoods, your pine and your, your conifers, your, your evergreen trees, but your floors and your paneling and your doors are where we often see our hardwood species, our maple, our oak, and, and those species. Interesting. And um, there's a pretty substantial amount of forest uh, in the, in, at, le at least in the United States that is actually federally managed. Um, is most of that for commercial production as opposed to uh, protection? Or uh, how, what's, the, what's the sort of breakdown there? Yeah, the breakdown of forest ownership in the US is, is really interesting and it impacts forest management, policy, 
uh, timber management, all kinds of factors. And across the whole country as a whole, uh, the majority of our forest land in the United States is privately owned. It's, it's about a 60-40 split between public-private. The majority of the privately owned is uh, owned by families and individuals. Families and individuals, family forest owners, are the largest land ownership class in the United States. However, in the Western United States, there is a concentration of uh, publicly owned lands, including a dominance of federally owned lands. Um, and many of those federally owned lands are eligible for uh, timber harvest management and removal, but aren't necessarily you know, being managed for that, certainly not being managed for timber production exclusively uh, because of the other benefits that public lands also are managed to provide. Bottom line, at this point in the United States on an annual basis, 89% of our timber harvesting is occurring on private lands. So it's our private landowners that provide the vast majority of our timber production in this state. Uh, but there are public land managers that are important contributors, but we do certainly see the role of private landowners in meeting uh, product needs as a, as a major contributor. Fantastic. So what do you think some of the programs are that, that could help bring uh, private owners uh, into an understanding about the importance of mass timber who might be at this point, you know, wondering what to do with their forest, if they could be brought into the, the sort of um, the church of sustainable forest management, if you will, that, that could obviously have a huge improvement. So the, the good news is, you know, we are meeting our timber needs through the activities of private landowners. They are engaged in sustainability in terms of certification programs and other types of initiatives to monitor the health of their forests and ensure sustainability over time. I mean, we, we know what our forests need in many situations to reduce wildfire risk. We know, we've mapped and analyzed the high risk areas. We've evaluated fuel loading and, and we've looked even at, you know, at water quality needs and wildlife habitat needs. We have a lot of really good analysis and insight into to what's needed. It's the capacity to get the work done. And to drive the capacity to get more good work done on the land, there's a couple ways to get there. Um, one is through public investment, and we've certainly seen that. We've seen public investment at the federal and state level to support public agency actions and you know treatment of acres to reduce wildfire risk or enhance other benefits. The other way to scale up our activities and be able to do more of what we know is needed is through strong markets so that we don't have to just rely on public funding to do what we need to do to care for forest health and public safety. Um, what kinds of efforts do you see underway to get the supply chain issue and the, the forest management issues to sort of meet halfway, um, it, you know, in the service of a sustainable economy? That's a really big question. But. <laughs> it is. It, it's <laughs> big, big questions. It's important for us to ask and try and answer big questions. So that's, you know, when we look at the supply chain of forest products, there's a bunch of really good stuff we have in place. We produce forest products, I think it's in 40, some of the 50 states, I mean, at a commercial scale. So, it, you know, forest management, forest product production is widely distributed across the United States and across North America. So in many parts of this country, there are locally available wood products. And so oftentimes it's a matter of making sure what's locally available fits, you know, what's locally produced fits with local needs. And there's this concept within forestry, 
I mean, there's a broader concept many people are familiar with around circular economy and really how we think about the whole system and how all of the materials within that system are utilized in, in avoiding waste, avoiding issues at end of life with disposal. So circular economy and full utilization of uh, the products that come from our forests, it's a really important concept that is pretty well established in the forest sector in that when materials are harvested, the material is removed from the forest, what we call roundwood. And when roundwood is, is harvested, it actually contains all kinds of different products. Some of that material is, has the right strength properties and everything else will be sawn into dimensional lumber, two by fours and two by sixes and whatever else it is. But some of the, the other materials, you know, it'll be chips, it'll be sawdust, the bark. Those things will go into paper or packaging or tissue products or, these, or you know, uh, fiber products. So I think that it's an important concept when we get beyond um, the excitement around mass timber, because mass timber is exciting and it can do wonderful things for storing carbon, addressing forest health, creating jobs and, and looking at environmental, social and economic opportunities around renewable materials. I mean, mass timber is very exciting for a whole bunch of reasons. But also, as we invest in mass timber production, there will be these other uh, opportunities for other types of renewable materials from that as well. So I think that's a really important part of um, honoring the material that we remove uh, and incorporating it throughout our economy and, and throughout our communities. About 80% of the forestry in the U.S. utilizes natural regeneration, which means after the harvest occurs, the natural seeds and sprouts and trees that grow there reestablish themselves just like they would after a fire or after you know an ice storm or something else so oftentimes i'll hear a conversation where people are concerned about forests being intensively managed for their economic benefit and as a forester and an environmentalist i understand that concern but i also recognize where in the landscape it's really important that growing trees is economically competitive with other land uses that have much greater environmental impact. And it's always important in forestry, especially in the United States has like 765 million acres of forest. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's this incredible number. So one of the things I always talk about is within 765 million acres of forests, all kinds of possibilities exist. Protection, you know, management, you know, economically viable innovation. There, so that's one of the things for people to recognize in American forestry is we have uh, an incredible opportunity to do many different things across that landscape that cover all those bases of societal values and needs that, that cover that spectrum from protection to making sure that forests can survive in an intense landscape with competing uses. Well, thank you. That was that was excellent. And uh, I, I really appreciate you spending the time with us today. I'm, I'm inspired to have further conversations about this. Thank you, Dan. And my goal was to inspire everyone to become a forester. I don't know if you picked up on that vibe, but that's that's my hidden agenda. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to say the, the agenda is very effective, if, if, if not necessarily uh, hidden. I think it was right. a, pretty, uh, pretty much on the first layer there. Yeah. Well, you're all welcome to be a forester either as your primary job or secondary job. Come, come join the fun.